So earlier this year, we announced that we were going to be looking for a children's ministry director, and Holly Armstrong has been our interim, and we appreciate her doing that. And we've updated you as a church on different developments that we've had as things have progressed. We tried to do a search on our own at the beginning of the year, and that really didn't turn up the results we were hoping for, so we hired a search firm. And after working with them, um, we had a few candidates come through and nothing that we felt like was worth bringing to the congregation to give you an update because it really didn't move the ball any further down the field. So, but I do want to let you know that we have a candidate right now that we're very seriously uh, discerning and considering. And once things get a little clearer, there's a couple more hurdles still to jump over. But I did want to give you an update because we just haven't talked about that in a while as a church and we're very excited uh, about the potential for this candidate we things are kind of clicking along but we'll see uh what god does and how that all ends up working out and as we move forward i'll let you know so what i want to ask you to do as a part of our church is please be in prayer and just be praying for discernment pray for discernment on the candidates part and on our leadership's part and we just want to be able to have someone to be able to serve our kids really well serve our families really really well and just help things just to continue to just move forward as far as helping to impact and influence the next generation with the hope of jesus christ amen so with that in mind why don't we go to the lord in prayer and then we'll get right into the message father we just pray today that you would just keep our hearts and our eyes and our attention and our affection focused on you. We thank you for being able to have uh, a good quality candidate here at BCC, and we pray, Father, that as we walk through the discernment process, you just give us wisdom, give us peace, and help us just to see the things we need to see to be able to be in step with what you are leading and guiding us to do. We pray you would now direct our hearts as we are going to open your word and share your word, and I pray that your word would be sown on good ground today and that we would not just be hearers, but we would be doers of the word where we would be fruitful with the application of this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, if you have your Bible, go ahead and go over to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to talk about building bridges to the gospel. So what is the Christian's role in building bridges to the gospel? Because some people would say, oh, it doesn't matter what our role is in the thing. You know, whoever gets saved is just going to get saved. And we can just kind of sit back with our arms folded. Whoever receives Christ is going to receive Christ. And I don't really feel like I have much of a role. Well, you're wrong. We do have a role. God's called us to have a role in this. But how can we help connect other people to Christ especially in a culture where they seem resistant to Christ, because it's not you or I who actually changes a heart. It's not you or I who actually can redirect someone's heart, nor is it our job, nor does God expect you and I to change a heart. But yet we still have a role, especially in the culture in the day in which we live, where there are quite a bit of people that are very resistant to the message of the gospel. And really they're resistant ultimately to Christ because they misunderstand their need. They misunderstand Christ being sufficient to meet their need. So what could we do? Or maybe what could we think about differently to help them see their need for Christ? So in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives a very famous parable. And this is really where we're going to camp out today in the text is we're going to talk about the parable of the sower. So in Matthew chapter 13, verse 1, scripture says this, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. 
And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, as he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell among, along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose up, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. For to one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are you, or for your eyes they see, and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, they did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and they didn't hear it. And so Jesus goes on to further explain it. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So here Jesus is talking about this idea of the seed. And the seed that he's speaking of is the word of the kingdom. That's the seed in the parable. He's saying this is the word of the kingdom. So what does that mean? Because we could attach a lot of things to that, but what is Jesus specifically meaning when he's talking about sowing this word of the kingdom and the word of the kingdom being like a seed? This means the preaching or the teaching or the reading or the revealing about God's so sovereign rule and reign in our heart, and it translates into us living with an eternal priority in mind. So this is not only just a hearing, this is a, this is a doing. It's like this compact idea, this concentrated idea of eternal priority, not only in my hearing, but in my living, in my practice. Because we can live with the kingdom priority because we, as believers, are concerned with glorifying God and inviting others to learn about him, to trust in him, so that they too can join in us who believe in Christ for the glory of God. This is the idea of 
the kingdom. So a lot of things are talking about the kingdom of God. And ultimately, that is expanding this concept or this idea of me completely being reliant and connected to him because it's for his glory, his kingdom expansion. And that's where you and I are called to be kingdom believers, kingdom builders in the sense of where we are living our lives with that type of priority, with an eternal mindset, where we filter all the decisions that we make through an eternal lens. We filter the priorities of our life through an eternal lens because that takes priority over everything else in this life. It takes priority over everything else in this world. There's a lot of things vying for your attention and my attention, right? A lot of things that are vying for our attention. A lot of things are vying for our affection. Man, we live in a world where we are so heavily and strategically marketed to, and very well. I mean, there's excellent marketing that will draw us in and suck us in to care about something maybe we didn't care all that much about before. But man, these strategies, these marketing strategies, they suck us in. And then you add to that the peer pressure and this, you know, FOMO. You've got this fear of missing out. And now all of a sudden you're afraid that if you're not a part of this or you don't have that. And so all of these things are competing for your attention. They're competing for your affection. And a lot of those things will grab root in our heart. There are things, man, that we'll make idols out of that are grabbing our hearts whether it be some form of entertainment, whether it's sports, whether it's a hobby, whether it's money, whether it's having some sort of position of power, or whether it's having some position of influence, whatever it is that we see in front of us, that we identify, that's been marketed to us or has been presented to us in a way that seems attractive, our affections get attached to it, and we chase after it, and we want it, and we want to chase after it and run after it. And Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things that you've been seeking after, in the context, the disciples were asking Jesus about food and clothes. They were saying, Jesus, we're with you. We're following you. But, like, what are we going to eat, man? You know, like, uh, what are we going to wear? And Jesus said, don't worry about that stuff. Have the eternal priority focus. Have this seeking the kingdom first. Have this eternal priority of expanding the kingdom of God for the glory of God, have this type of priority in the way that you live, in the way you manage your finances, in the way you manage your time, in the way you build relationships. Let it be the priority in everything you do. So Jesus is not saying just stop doing everything you're doing and just like go to church for the rest of your life. Like that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying everything you do in the normal rhythms of life, make sure that it's grounded and rooted and centered in a kingdom priority. That means when you go to work, you're a kingdom person. When you go to work, you go to work differently than a person who is not a kingdom person because you are living with an eternal priority. So therefore, you look at the work you do, the interactions that you have, the people you talk to, the people you come in contact with, even if you don't work with the public, even if you're just working with other people, maybe on, on, a, on an assembly line, or maybe you work somewhere where you're just interacting with people from a far distance. You're looking at that job through the lens of the kingdom first, not just this is a means to be able to provide for my family. Everybody can look at it that way. Anyone can look at, oh, I have this job to be able to buy stuff because I like stuff, you know, and I need stuff, right? 
and I need a house, and I need food, and I need somewhere to live. No, no, a kingdom person looks at their job differently. They're looking at their job through an eternal lens because they're a kingdom person seeking first the kingdom of God. And this is this concept. When this idea of the kingdom gets sown into someone's heart where now they're called to live for something bigger than themselves, where they're called to live for something bigger than themselves because if if they don't, if they're misunderstanding the kingdom agenda, then what they'll do is they'll compartmentalize their faith and they'll just attach themselves to their faith when it's convenient. They'll just tap into or log into their faith when it's convenient or when it's the right time. Sunday morning, I'm nope, going to log into Jesus time today. What do you mean Jesus time? All the time is Jesus time. It's like literally all his, right? I understand what we say, what we mean when we say some of those things, but understand the kingdom lens understands no matter where I go, what I do, I'm always for the kingdom and living with a kingdom agenda. It changes the priority. It changes the way I talk to people. It changes the way I react and respond because, man, I'm thinking, I have a responsibility as a sower. I have a responsibility as a representative of Christ. I have a responsibility to live for the glory of God. And now all of a sudden, the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom outshines any other priority in my life. That even will help you when things go bad. Because it's easy to say, yeah, I'm I'm for Jesus when I feel like everything in my life is going really well. But when things aren't, I'm still a kingdom person. Amen? And I'm still living with a kingdom priority even when things aren't. So that means even the tough stuff I'm going through, I'm like, God, I don't know how... I'm going to get out of this thing, man. I sure hope that you help me find a way out of it because it hurts. It's heavy. I don't like it. But at the same time, I know you can use this for my good and ultimately for your kingdom and for your glory. Even the tempering, even the, the hard things, even the stuff we don't like, especially the stuff that we don't like. Kingdom people are concerned with kingdom expansion. That's what we're concerned with. Loving God means that we share in his heart, that he loves people, and we don't want anyone to perish from this life without having known him and being known by him. So now we have a different focus. We have a different priority. We all have responsibility to sow the seed of the kingdom. We all have responsibility as sowers to go out and to have this word of the kingdom in us and we want other people to be a part of that we want that that seed to be sown and for it to take root we want that same priority to be in someone else's life we want someone that does not know christ someone who has not placed their faith and trust and hope in christ alone we want them to see that truth respond to that truth and now just like we are and are growing in learning how to live with that kingdom priority that's what we want we want to see that expand amen That should be like our hope that we want that kingdom priority to be infused into other people's lives. And the only way that can happen is if the Holy Spirit of God does something underneath the surface that you and I cannot see, but somebody has to sow a seed. Somebody has to sow a seed. Somebody has to be out there living with the kingdom priority and being this proverbial sower. We all have that responsibility. It's not just the pastor's responsibility on a Sunday morning. It's not just your small group leader's responsibility. 
It's not just the people who may have been classically trained's responsibility. It's every believer's responsibility to sow and to live with that kingdom priority. Because Matthew 6 and 33, that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. That's not just for a small handful of people, amen? That's for anyone who would be a disciple of Christ. That's for anyone who would want to be a disciplined learner, a disciple of Jesus, someone who is following Jesus and looking to him as he's giving us that wisdom and that guidance. The ground in Jesus' parable represents the heart condition of a person. And this is the part where we have to understand a person's heart condition is vital to receiving what is sown. Jesus gives these different examples of the seed being sown because, man, it's one thing to have the seed sown, but we really want the seed to have the best chance of growing and producing fruit as possible. So we're not only called to scatter the seed, but man, we also can have a role in being able to help prepare the ground. And what is that ground? And it's the atmosphere, it's the environment that that heart is around. That can influence that heart. God can use that to influence that heart. The place that you have the greatest opportunity to do this is within your home. Those of you who are parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, even those of you who maybe don't have children of your own, but perhaps you have influence with other uh, people's kids. Maybe you're a friend that comes over and you have that Christ-like influence. You can be a part of helping to cultivate that ground. That's why it's so important when you're raising children the environment that they're raised in. That's why it's so important that the values that are around that child and the things that not just are being taught, not just the things that are being said, because that's only half of this kingdom seed that's being sown. The other part is actually the application and the doing it and the living it, amen? And so it doesn't just need to be something that, that's, that's heard and lectured. It needs to be something that's actually lived out and shown as a reality, that there's a value in your life that is central, that you're living in a home that has an atmosphere that is a kingdom priority atmosphere that prioritizes the value of the kingdom. And that is bigger than Sunday, amen? Sunday's important. We love Sunday, man. I get excited when Sunday rolls around, but man, it can't just be Sunday and it can't stop with Sunday. It's got to be bigger than that. We have to live in our homes, in our lives. If we want to impact the next generation beyond our lifetime, we have to have a concept and a value of Christ being bigger than Sunday. And listen, Christ has to be bigger than a Bible study. Bible studies are great. Christ has to be bigger than your small group. Small groups are great. Christ has to be bigger than Christian activity and Christian entertainment. Christ has to be bigger than, than, than Christian subculture. All these things can be good, can be helpful for building relationships and strengthening someone, but it can't be the end of it. It has to be in the value and the priority in which you live your life. That means the way that you act, the way you react, the things you say, the things you do, the way you prioritize your schedule, your time, because those people are watching, your kids, your grandchildren, your, 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 your nieces, your nephews, those people are watching. And it's important for us to understand that priority when it comes to the heart. And we also have influence that God so graciously grants us 
even with friends that we have, where we can help create those environments, kingdom-building environments. Because what type of environments do we facilitate? Are we facilitating negative environments? Are our connections relationally based on negative things? Are they based on gossip or malicious behavior? Are they based on some sort of sin? Are they based on something negative? Are they based on something that's not helpful? Because what is the connection there? And are we helping to create that environment that is more conducive? Now, we can't ultimately fix that heart, but man, we sure can try to do our best to make sure that the environments that we are in and that other people are in or the environments that we help to create when they're around us can perhaps influence that soil. So when that seed is sown, that God can do what only he can do. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Because God, we understand, does all the work underneath the ground. You know, we, we all understand that we can have a role in tilling up soil. We all understand we can have a role in watering and making sure there's proper sunlight and all this stuff. And we can do our best to make sure the right nutrients are perhaps in the soil. We can do our best, but what we can't do is we can't make that seed that was sown grow. We don't have the power to do that. We don't have the ability to do that. So what does that mean from a kingdom lens? It means you and I don't have the ability to change a heart. We don't have the ability to make someone produce fruit. You can't just yell at a seed and say, make fruit now, you know? I don't see any farmers out there yelling at their corn, you know, corn now. Some of them may get frustrated and they may try that. I don't think it works because it's not just yelling at it. It's not just trying to command it to do something because really you can't, you can't influence that because what happens under the ground, that's a process God has put into place and that's something that only God can do. And here's the hard part about it. We can't see it. We, we can know kind of how it works, but we can't see what's happening underneath the soil. That's where faith comes into play. We have to trust. We have to trust that we're planting, that we're watering, that we're caring for the seed, that we're sowing the seed, but ultimately God is going to do the part we can't do. God is going to do that thing underneath the soil. And then you start seeing evidence of God moving and working, right? You see the little boop, the little sprout, right, pop up. And you get excited about that because you see God is doing something in someone's life. And then that grows and grows and eventually it produces fruit. And the healthier the root is, the healthier the environment that thing is, and the more that it's been uh, taken care of and watered appropriately and had the appropriate sun and been taken care of, it'll produce a lot of fruit. It's the same thing in someone's heart. So what can we do to help to prepare that? What can we do to help make those connections, build those bridges? What can we do to make those connections as believers in Christ when we're with other people? How can we live in that kingdom way and create those kingdom environments to help give that seed the best opportunity to be able to take that deep root? Here's the first thing. This shouldn't be a surprise. Prayer prepares the ground of a person's heart. Prayer prepares the ground of a person's heart. So here's something that we need to be aware of, is that we are called to pray, man, without ceasing, where we never stop praying, where we're always in a mindset, being a kingdom person with a kingdom priority, with a kingdom agenda, that I always have the mindset, I take on that mind of Christ, and I'm always in that place of acknowledging my need and my dependence for him, because it never at any point in this journey should I get dependent upon myself and think somehow that I am the reason that this person has been able to 
to do whatever it is God may be doing in their heart. No, 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 I'm just a vessel. It's him who's doing the work, amen? And if he uses me, praise God for that. But I want to be available, I want to be ready, and I want to make sure that my heart is dependent upon him. Prayer is the vehicle that God has given us to further deepen our dependence upon him. While simultaneously, it's not just one-sided to where prayer just deepens our dependence on Christ. Because you hear me say that a lot. And it's true, prayer does do that. But here's this other thing prayer does. It mysteriously moves God to do things in a way we can't see him working behind the scenes. It, it, and I don't understand that aspect of prayer. I get the whole it deepens my dependence on God thing. I get that part of prayer. But man, the way that God moves through prayer, I don't fully understand that part. But somehow, in a mysterious way, it, it activates God and he does things that otherwise he's asking us to do. There, there, there's even conditional promises in the scripture. Anytime you read the scripture and you see a conditional promise, it'll have this type of language. If you do this, then I will do this. All right? That's a conditional covenant, a conditional promise. There are also unconditional covenants, like the one God made with Abraham, where he said, I will make you a father of many nations. He didn't say, if you do this and this. No, he just said, I'm going to do this. So that's like God just saying, this is my will, this is what I'm doing. But then there are those instances, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then, right, I will hear from heaven. And all those other things that we see in scripture like that, where there's the if and the then. So understand, there's something God does when his people pray. And I remember I was talking with uh, Pastor Evan earlier this week, and he said that one of our uh, partners, our missionary partners had shared with him that uh, when they were overseas, that it was like clearing the land. That's what prayer, if you could have like a visual of what prayer is, it'd be like this clearing of the land. So as you think about the imagery of being the sower and sowing the word and sowing the kingdom, prayer is like clearing the land. So when we go on all these prayer walks that we've been doing and we're going to continue to do and, and even ramp up uh, even into next year, as you see more of that happening and you have more opportunity to do that, maybe you, you get to participate in some of those things, I want you to think about that visual of, man, we're, we're clearing the land. We're, we're out there praying and knowing that God is moving simultaneously while we're deepening our dependence upon him. Second thing that we can do is we must be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in Christ. We just went through 1 Peter, and this was one of the things that Peter wrote to the Christians in that day that were heavily persecuted. He said, you always need to be ready to give an answer for why you believe what you believe. Now, you may not be able to articulate everything perfectly, but it is important that we deepen our convictions. We must grow deeper in our convictions, in the Word of God, in Scripture, and be workmen who are not ashamed in the way we handle and communicate the Scripture. We must grow in that. If we're going to be sowers, if we're going to be people who can articulate the gospel, Man, we have to ready ourselves. We have to know how to use the equipment we've been given. Amen? So, yes, love people. Yes, serve people. But don't leave out knowing Scripture. Don't leave out starting with that foundation. It's one of our core values at BCC is that we start with Scripture. We want to be a people who starts with Scripture. That our actions, our behavior, and our knowledge and our convictions come from scripture so intentionally deepen your conviction by regularly 
studying scripture so you can better articulate it, so you can better share it, so you can better apply it, so you can better talk to others when God gives you opportunities and you can know what you believe. Because man, I'm telling you, in the day and age we live in, we are pressed and we are getting more and more pressed. We are becoming more and more pressed for, to give an answer for why we believe what we believe. And we better know. Amen? And so we need to deepen that. That's our responsibility as a believer. Sure, it's partially the pastor's responsibility to help equip through teaching. Sure, it's other people who have teaching gifts' responsibility. But it's your responsibility, every individual who is a believer in Christ, to be diligently studying the scripture so that they can deepen their conviction and strengthen their faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by that word of God. Amen? You see, the scripture and the spirit work together. The scripture and the spirit of God work together. It's, it's, this, it's this sharp, two-edged sword that, that, that will divide. It will be able to cut clear. And so you and I need to trust in the Holy Spirit, yes, to give us the words to say when we talk to people. But yes, we also need to be people who deepen our convictions and who know the word of God because that spirit and that scripture can break up even the hardest of hearts and the hardest of grounds. The third thing, something we've been talking about a lot, we must lead with love. Leading with love can only be accomplished by remembering the gospel. This is where we must become gospel-centered and remain gospel-centered people. We love people right where they are, not when they meet our criteria. We've been talking about this a lot, especially in this series, where we lean in and we listen because everyone has a story and every story can be used for God's glory, remember? Because as I look at the parable of the sower, I see all these different kinds of ground. And you know what all those different kinds of ground tell me? Is that all of those different grounds have different stories. All those different hearts have stories. When I think about the thorns and the seeds that were sown among the thorns, I think those thorns were once seeds too. Who sown those seeds that ended up becoming thorns into a person's heart? What do those thorns represent? Because there's a lot of things that are there, yes, to choke it up, that it can choke out the good, but at one point, something happened that caused that ground to develop and to grow thorns. And as we lean in, as we learn, as we begin to be patient with other people, and we understand that there's patience involved in the process, that we love people right where they're at, and we understand them, and we're able to minister better to them as God gives us opportunity. And maybe we just get to do a little planting here, a little watering here. Maybe God's working on their heart in a way we can't see because we're praying for them. And maybe something's happening where those, those thorns are beginning to die out at the root. And maybe God is bringing some healing there. All those things, even where there's a bunch of stones in the ground. Maybe God is doing some renovation there. And we don't even see what's happening because we may not know. But we're there and we're being used and we're being a vessel and we're being faithful. That's why we must lead with love. And the fourth and final thing I'm going to share with you is that we must be willing to get intentionally uncomfortable to serve people where they are. Intentionally uncomfortable. That's the key. I want us to remember that phrase because we're going to keep using that phrase a lot. Intentionally. Intentionally uncomfortable. In other words, I'm saying it's uncomfortable and I'm making myself uncomfortable on purpose. <laughs> 
because I know it's good for me and I know it's advancing God's kingdom. It stretches me beyond what I like because maybe you're like, I'm not a talker, you know. That's okay. It's time to step out and maybe get intentionally uncomfortable. Uh, I, I really haven't ever really had a strong prayer life. That's okay. It's time for you to step out of that and maybe get intentionally uncomfortable. And I think that that's the whole idea of trusting in God and growing in faith. is not just being people who come and receive a lot of information every week and good information every week. Or I hope it better be good information. Amen. Amen. You receive a lot of information. Information is good. Information plus application is better. Being a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. Hearing is good, but it's only half the equation. It's only half of it. But for me to apply it, because when we talk about things like forgiveness, when we talk about things like healing, uh, reconciliation, when we talk about things like patience, when we talk about things like prayer, when we talk about prayer walks, all that stuff, for some of you, it freaks you out. And that is a great thing. Because every time you get a little nervous about doing something for God, that's an opportunity for you to see how big God is. That's an opportunity for you to deny yourself and say yes to eternal kingdom things because you're a kingdom person and you're living with a kingdom priority. Those are opportunities. So every time you may squirm a little bit, that's a good thing. It's an opportunity to grow if you'll lean into it and deny yourself. Die to yourself and say yes to what God is calling you to do, what his word is commanding you to do, what, what the scripture is instructing you to do, what his spirit may be drawing you to do. When you submit to that, man, that's the opportunity to grow right there. Because we serve people with the love and truth of God. This is living with the kingdom priority. And what happens underneath the soil, we cannot, we, we cannot affect that. Man, we can be planting. Man, we can be watering. Man, we can be trying to create the best environment possible by using our story, using the gifts God's given us, using the opportunities for us to get intentionally uncomfortable, using our time to pray, using our time to, to give that answer, being ready. All those things we can do as believers in Christ. And here's our big idea for today. Obedience in kingdom living requires trust in God for fruitful results. You know, when God gave us the scripture, I don't believe that he intended on this being 66 books of uh, collective suggestions for you to consider. I, I don't think that that was his intention. Uh, the great commission, the great commandment is not the great suggestion if you feel up to it today. This is kingdom stuff, man, and these are commands from Scripture. These are expectations of a believer. And I'm not just trying to load you up with a big burden because the gospel should make us want to do these things. It's the goodness of God that makes us actually see these things differently to where it's not some new burden I'm picking up and not just something that somebody said and it made me feel bad. No, it's, it's something that actually I consider a joy to get to do this and get to live in this kingdom way with this kingdom priority and men because when you do it when you do step out in faith when you do live with that kingdom agenda when you are building those bridges and you walk away from that conversation you walk away from that situation you feel so light and so energetic and so excited you feel like man god thank you 
or counting me worthy to be used in a way to help expand your kingdom for your glory. God, thank you for working in me and through me. Thank you for saving me like you're saving this person. Thank you for, th thank you for loving me, Lord. And, 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 and now I have your love only because of your goodness. And so now I can love this other person the same way that you loved me. Oh, what a powerful thing. What a powerful thing for us to get to do. And when we're obedient in kingdom living, man, we have to trust God for the fruit. We have to trust him for the results. And that means we just keep on being faithful, man. We keep on being faithful every day. This means you may not get to see it. That's so hard. If I work for it, I want to see it. Well, you don't get to. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you get to be part of God letting you see just a little snippet of something maybe that you had a hand in. Maybe you get to walk with someone through baptism. Maybe you get to be a part of helping them to come to that realization of that need in their life to follow in the footsteps of Christ and to be obedient. Maybe you get to be a part of that. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't even know that person's name that maybe you sat down with or talked to. Maybe because it's not about you, man. It's about his kingdom, amen? It's not about you getting the credit, the glory, getting another notch in your belt. It's not what it's about. It's about his kingdom, his glory. He's the one who gets the glory, not you, not me. It's his glory. And so we're living for his glory. The glory is his. So you keep planting, you keep watering, you keep building bridges that are connecting people to Jesus. Beyond Sunday, it's bigger than that beyond Bettendorf because it's bigger than that and beyond our lifetime because it's bigger than even our lives. The glory is his. We are called to obedience. That's why we are doing what we're doing and stepping out and as a church and preparing to be able to plant churches in these quad cities. That's why we're going to be training in evangelism in 2024 in very intentional ways. We're going to be training up people and sending them out. And we believe the Quad Cities are going to be different. That the landscape of heaven is going to be different. Because some people at BCC are stepping up and saying yes to kingdom living, to kingdom priority. That those things matter more than anything else. And I want to look at it through a kingdom lens. And as you know, we're changing the name of the church, and we've communicated that to you. And I want you to understand the reason that we're doing that is not to try to be trendy. It's not to try to, you know, just do something different just because we're sitting around bored, you know, with our hands in our pockets. No, this is very intentional. This has been prayed over for quite some time. It's been discussed for quite some time because we want to make sure that that name reflects what we believe the vision God has called us to do, and that is making those connections, connecting people to Christ because he is the bridge. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Amen? And so this morning, I want to show you a little bit of the visual of what that looks like, of this concept, of this idea. And so with the logo um, that we have, we have a slide prepared. If you guys want to go ahead and show that. Um, this is, I just want to show you a breakdown here. So when we see the box that Bridge Cities Church is in and you see that period, that period is there on purpose because that means emphasis. That means this is who we are. 
we want to be a church that's connecting people to Christ, connecting people to eternity, connecting this quad cities. And we want to be that, that church that is helping to connect all of these cities. That, yes, we love Bettendorf. Yes, we, we are always going to be that Bettendorf Christian church in that sense because we are here as that home base, but we know that we're going to be able to plant other churches and we know that we're going to be for these cities and for all people just as we have and then you see the little b you'll see that a lot being used as just another way oh the 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 box i meant to bring attention to that you're like what's this little sim card looking thing up there you know uh the that's that stands those edges stand for the five quad cities i'm not kidding yes because that's how things make sense around here. Um, somebody in Illinois came up with that. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, it is. It's the little corner. Yeah, and, and if you're like, is that little corner East Moline? Yeah, it is. Because East Moline's just a little salty anyways. You ever driven downtown East Moline? What does the sign say? It says, welcome to East Moline, one of the quad cities. Like, like Horton hears the who. Like, we are here. We are here. You know, it's just. I think it's hilarious. We love you, East Moline. Um, and then I want to I want to point something out. You see this little star with the B in it. Um, that's going to be we're going to use that in a very intentional way. Um, when you see that, when we begin to plant churches, what we have a vision for is to have like a, a big, huge map of kind of the area within the 17 cities that we believe God has called us to reach. And every time a new church is planted, we want to put one of those stars with the B in it on that map representing where one of those churches is and that'll be a part of launching that church and we'll have a a big to do about praying that praying over that and putting that star on there so you'll be able to see that map but that'll just be a great way to launch and commission those and then as you see the bcc uh, that you've been looking at for quite a while um, just still as a way to communicate to our community who we are so i just want to prep you and let you know you know that's what you're going to be seeing next week uh, when you come and we make that official swap and and listen man all of us have been through just a lot of change there's been a lot of things um, that god has led us through and some things are easier than others some things are, are tough and some things you know are hard but i want to i want you to hear me bcc whether it's called bendorf christian church whether it's called bridge cities church it doesn't matter it is a kingdom focused church it is a kingdom-focused church. It always has been, and it's going to continue to be. This church has been a light in the darkness in the Quad Cities for 60 years, and it's going to continue to be a light in the darkness. This church has seen many people come to faith in Jesus Christ. This church has made a priority out of preaching the word and keeping the main thing the main thing, and keeping that scripture as that starting point that's one of the things that i love about the history of the christian church is that they said we wanted to get back to things we saw in the book of acts and i'm like amen let's go and that's been a part of who we are and it's going to continue to be a part of who we are and we're just going to keep living that out as god gives us new strategies new direction new inspiration new conviction new clarity because we're reaching people where he's called us to reach him amen and so i'm inviting you to be a part to join to move forward to be unified in this idea of helping to connect people to christ
that connecting people to Christ matters more than anything else because can I tell you that when I think about every day five people in the Quad Cities die and enter into a Christless eternity, that, that moves my heart. Five people every day in the Quad Cities, in our region, people that you may interact with, that you may see, five people every day enter into a Christless eternity. I want us to push back the darkness by shining that light bright that God has given us, amen? By being kingdom people, by being for these cities and for all people, not just here in the Quad Cities, but all over the world. And I believe that God has called us to do it. I believe that the time is now for us to move forward and to do what God has created us to do, to build bridges to the gospel. So Father, I pray you help us do this because we can't do this in our own strength. We're not that sharp. We're not that great. We need you. And so we thank you for doing in us and through us what only you can do. And if there's someone here today or watching online that does not know you, I pray they would find you, they would put their faith and trust in you, and they would say yes to that drawing in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Before you go today, I just want to remind you that we're going to have our prayer team down at the front. And if you put your faith and trust in Christ, or if you just have some questions, would you connect with our prayer team today? If you need someone to help guide you in your walk with God, and maybe you did put your faith and trust in Christ, we'll have somebody reach out to you today. We have a team of mentors and people who will connect with you today to be able to help you to grow in your faith journey. We don't want you to feel like you have to do this alone. God is moving, and people are coming to Christ. People are coming to faith in Christ. God's doing good things, amen? Even next week, I know we got a few people getting baptized next week. That's awesome. It seems like, it seems like a month doesn't go by that, that somebody's not getting baptized and somebody's not publicly professing their faith in Christ. That's an awesome, awesome thing. And we get to be a part of that. Let's keep seeing what God is doing, amen? Let's keep seeing what he's up to. Let's keep saying yes and leaning in to this kingdom thing. So let's go out with the Great Commission where we say that together, where we go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God bless you, BCC. Have an awesome week. You are dismissed.